mentioned before today, we have the founder of the Flora Ministries based out of Queens, New York. She'll give you more detail about Flora. But Noemi has been a friend to us for at least a year since the beginning of the pandemic. And we did hear from her once before. And the way we connected was because we as a church we're seeing so many people affected during the pandemic, just like yourself, just like me. And we wanted to start doing more, even if it wasn't for our immediate community. And so Maylin, who's on this call also, we were able to engage and she introduced me to Noemi. And for about a year now, we've been able to connect. And over the last couple of months, I realized that we have so many faithful and committed women at the gathering. And we want to make sure that you guys know that the Lord uses women powerfully. There is no difference because we're men. That doesn't mean that the Lord speaks to us more clearly or more loudly. And so you guys obviously know that I can speak both loudly and often. And today we want to hear from Noemi. Noemi, would you give yourself an even better introduction than I'm able to? I am so happy to have you with us. And I'm encouraged already by what God has put into you for today. God bless you. And I wish you the best here. Thank you, Pastor Isaac. Buenas tardes, familia. Me llamo Noemi. My name is Noemi. And I am zooming in from Queens. It's so wonderful to see all of your beautiful faces and names across the, my computer. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you for giving me the privilege and the honor to speak into your life today. Um, it is not an easy task because to speak into your life is something serious. And I am honored, but I'm also have been wrestling and with the, with the word myself and seeing how God has been speaking to me. I want to focus on the word today because I know everybody wants to go and barbecue and brunch. So that is perfectly fine with me. Uh, again, my name is Noemi Cordova. I am from Peru. So if any Peruvians in the house, we also take spaghetti to the beach. Okay. So, but God bless all my Ecuadorian friends and family. Um, so yes, thank you again for having me. I am the founder of Flora, but to be honest, it wouldn't be possible without everyone of us just doing everything in familia because one person can't do it all. Um, one person is not strong enough. And it's not just my idea, but it's really a God idea that gave us our community to continue to serve and continue to live out the gospel in our communities as faithful witnesses. And that is why I'm excited to be here today. Um, Maybe we'll get to have some coffee later on and we can talk a little bit more about that. Uh, like the bio said, I am a Spanglish speaker. So if I switch at any time, don't worry, I will translate it. But um, just wanted to give you the heads up. So today, um, the theme of this message is uh, the message and the mission. That is the name, uh, the title that I have for the sermon today, the message and the mission. And because I'm a nosy person, I went to your website and I was reading a little bit more about who you were and what you were about. And I saw that the, the gathering's mission was to develop a, a community of intentional believers and neighbors and disciples. And I love the word intentional, so we're gonna highlight it because I also, I think that might be a favorite word of yours as well. So again, the mission of your church is to develop a community of intentional believers, neighbors and disciples. You're a familia of faithful believers, responsible neighbors, and committed disciples. And the way that you accomplish that mission um, and the purpose is rooted in word, 
love and service. And I, and I used the um, word instead of Bible because God's word is transformational, but our words are also so important and powerful. So I have word, love, and service, and that's the way that you accomplish your mission. So I love this. I love the core values, but there was one of them that really captured my attention, and that one was the, the one about injustice. And that tells me that you have taken seriously the call to do and pursue justice in this world. And I know that justice may seem like a buzzword right now, but it really isn't. It's not only a God idea, but it is part of the character of who God is. But as we approach that, that, um, that word, how do we deal with it? How do we do justice, right? How do we embody this call in a way that makes the kingdom of God visible? And I want you to remember that uh, making the kingdom of God visible because we're gonna be bringing it up a little bit more um, as we go through the message. This week was a sad week for the Latin American world because Latin American theologian, Rene Padilla, who was born in Ecuador, uh, went home with the Lord. And it was a sad, sad uh, week for a lot of us because he gave us a framework that we can continue to build on. He was a firm believer that the mission of the church was to incarnate the values of the kingdom. He came to this understanding as he was traveling around and working alongside youth in universities, like many of us, right, we're part of uh, InterVarsity or any kind of ministry that, that um, wants to present the gospel to people in universities. He was working alongside these youth in Latin America from Bolivia to Ecuador to Peru to Argentina. And all of these young people were surrounded by civil unrest and they were encountering new ideologies um, and new revolutions that were rising. So they started asking those questions. They were saying, what does God think about justice? How can we live as faithful witnesses among all of this distress? And also, how do we develop a view that evangelism and social action are not separate from each other? So they were looking for these answers. And I think that's very relevant to what we're, what's happening to some of us right now. We're looking for those answers. How do I engage with this uh, justice, social justice um, that's happening around us? And this is why I wanted to bring that up today because it has been speaking to my life very deeply. And Rene Padilla said that evangelism and social justice are just two wings of a plane. And these values are rooted in justice that with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, they can cause transformation in our world. So to honor his life, I wanted to share some of his words and in the way that Rene Padilla defines justice because it's important to define what it means from a biblical standpoint so that we're not confused by other things, right? So this is his quote, again, by Rene Padilla. But what is justice? In the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it is not merely a justice of distribution, nor is it a justice of retribution. It is rather a justice of restitution, a justice that includes the two former, but goes much further, and that it seeks to restore and return that which has been taken away from the oppressed, the hungry, and the exile, the orphan, and the widows, from all the victims of the abuse of power and the injustice in a society stained by sin. So as we think about these words, there were three that uh, stood out, distribution, retribution, and restitution. As we keep these three words in mind, um, let us pray so that the Holy Spirit can really enlighten our minds and our hearts as we continue to engage with this message. So if you could just join me in prayer. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you've, that you've given me the privilege, Father God, to be here with my familia today, Lord God.
Father, I thank you because they have taken seriously the call, my God, Lord Jesus, to be faithful witnesses, Father God. I thank you for this family, Lord, because they care about their neighbor. They care about how they present themselves in a world because they want to see your gospel, Father God, move forward, Lord. They want to see your gospel, Father God, alive in their neighbors and their families and in their own lives, Lord God. So thank you for them, Lord Jesus. And I pray in this moment, God, I pray that you, that you give us the assurance, Lord Jesus, of your word, that you enlighten our minds and transform our hearts. Espíritu Santo, estás bienvenido en este lugar. You are welcome here, Spirit of God. Transform our minds and our hearts so that we may see, not see things in our own way, but see things in the way that you see them, God. Give us ears to hear your word, Lord King. But most importantly, that they may take root in our hearts so that we can continue to walk, my King, Lord Jesus, in the values of your kingdom so that people could see, Lord God, that you are real and that your gospel is transformational, that you have saved our lives, Lord Jesus, Father, and that you have given us new hope and new beginnings, Lord Father. So I just thank you once again, Lord, and I pray that you just speak into our minds and our hearts. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you can uh, join me in opening up your Bibles to Matthew 5, 1 through 12, that would be great. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. But again, it's Matthew 5, 1 through 12. I'm going to give you a second, and then I'm going to go ahead. And this is the Sermon on the Mount. Seeing the crowd, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And I love the Spanish translation that says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justicia, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, Blessed are those who are persecuted for justicia's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evils against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So these beatitudes, they are statements, uh, they are declarations of God's grace. And as he was declaring this grace, the people that were among, that was among him, the people that were in the crowds listening to this message were the outcasts, the foreigners, the orphans, the widows, the sick, the marginalized, the poor. These are the people that gather around to hear what Jesus has to say. And these are also whom Jesus chose to call, to call blessed. Those who according to society could not offer anything of value. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like me. There was nothing that could have offered Jesus when I came to his feet, nothing. If anything, there were so many things that were taken away from me. And I'm pretty sure that in the same way you can identify 
how you saw so many things being robbed from you and your family. Those were the people that were around Jesus. And when he speaks this beatitude, he returned dignity to those who have been seen less as human and as in a society that, that was operating under the Roman Empire. It was a society that, that was marked by hierarchy. Their values were whoever was first, whoever had the most, whoever was the richest. Those were the values of the Roman Empire. And Jesus comes and says, there's a different set of values that I want to offer you. The region of Galilee was a dark and marginalized space, both for the Romans and the religious Jews. But they shared the idea that there was nothing favorable about this place or group of people. You know, it, it's funny how people hate each other, but when they find something in common, they unite and they hate against you right together. That is what was happening here. The Romans and the, and the Jews, they hated each other, but they came together to, right, to, to speak against Jesus. Jesus was one of the unfavorables, and his discourses centered the voices of his people, the ones that they didn't want to hear from. We can say that his context was similar to some of our contexts today. Um, I don't know much about Hampstead because I'm from Queen, but um, I'm also from Elmhurst, so, which was known as the epicenter of the epicenter of the COVID-19 pandemic at some point. And we saw, we saw the injustices, the inequities, the disparities in our community. Day by day, the numbers of neighbors who have been infected or passed away kept increasing. We saw the land go around the block. Everywhere, in every corner, there was like people so desperate for food because they weren't working and the lines were so long. I'm sure that maybe you saw it in the news. And then helicopters were circling our homes to capture the moments. I think it was the media, I'm not even sure, but it will start around four or five in the morning and you will hear the helicopters surrounding our building because they just wanted to get the pictures of the trucks that were coming in the morning to pick up bodies that were being used to hold, you know, as holding space. We saw the increase of homelessness and our neighbors were just desperate to find relief in order to remain at home. That was what was happening in Queens. I don't know what was happening in Hampstead, but it was very, very difficult. I don't think there was anything that could have prepared us for this moment. I mean, we have t-shirts that say we're made for the mission, right? So this was our moment. This was our, our moment where we could have stepped up, but it was just so paralyzing for so many people. At that moment, we had a choice. Either we took care of each other or we waited in a system that was not designed for us to come and save us. These were the crowd who saw and heard the words of Jesus. They follow him because he saw them. And there, there's something that I learned from my community during the time of pandemic is that there is power. There is power in our neighbors. There's power in us. There's powers in the church. The church is a powerful community. We saw the churches open when the organization didn't want to open. The churches were open and they mobilized so that people could have food on their tables and little by little other neighbors too, they mobilized in such a way that it was just so amazing to me. I saw my neighbors in a new way because I saw life in them. And that's only the life that God can give us. Only God can give us a strength that powerful in such a moment of distress. It didn't matter who was from what religion. It didn't matter who went to what church. It didn't matter what language we spoke. All that mattered was that we were in the same situation and that we needed each other. So either we were gonna wait or we were gonna come together. And this was such a powerful moment because I learned I learned the difference between charity and solidarity. And I owe my community for that. 
from this place, Jesus chooses to give his most impactful sermon and begin his ministry. The message and the, and the mission of Jesus was different. One who turned society upside down. Donde los últimos serán los primeros. The gospel is good news for the oppressed. But sometimes not everyone, everyone wants to hear these news, right? If you can just join me in going to Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. Again, Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. The title is The Good News for the Oppressed. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be set free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes and a joyous blessing instead of mourning festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. They will rebuild ancient ruins, repair cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. This is Isaiah 61, 1 to 4, which that when Jesus had gone to the, his hometown of Nazareth, as he entered the synagogue and it was his turn to read the, the word, they handed him a scroll. And the scroll that he, in Luke 4, they handed him a scroll and he opened the scroll and it's Isaiah 61. So some were amazed and some were furious by his words. They were like, how can he say this? How can he say that the spirit of God is upon him? Some were amazed and others were furious. He returns to Galilee, rejected by the religious elite literally pushed out of town because he was too radical, too disruptive, too powerful. His message was uncomfortable. It challenged them to see and to hear. Two things that Pastor Isaac mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, right? In the beginning of the service. It challenged them to see and to hear. This was not the kind of thing they wanted to see or hear about. Because good news sounds like bad news to those who do not want to be disrupted. I don't know about you, but there's, most churches have a hospitality ministry all right. And sometimes the pastor says, listen, we're going to have this event. Make sure that you call this person. Make sure that you invite them. And because it's your, it's your job, you go ahead and do it, right? You don't really want them to be there because then you get all awkward or I don't know. You don't really know them. But, but you, you have to call them because you're part of the hospitality ministry. So you give them a call and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it because I have to work or do this and that. And then you're like, okay, check. I did my job. The next day, two days later, they call you back and they say, hey, guess what? Like things change. I can make it. I can come now. Uh, I can hang out with you guys. And you're like, great. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> right? Because in reality, you didn't really want them to be there because it was going to disrupt your whole community thing you have going on at some point. Right? New phone, who's this? Exactly. You're like, oh, so glad that you're coming. But that means now that you, you don't really have to talk to your friends as much, that you're going to have to change the way that you relate, that it's going to challenge you and push you, right, to talk to other people. And a lot of us, sometimes we don't like that. But so good news can become bad news because they disrupt our rhythms. And we don't like our rhythms being disrupted. 
But that's what Jesus came to do. He came to disrupt, turn society upside down and disrupt everybody's rhythm. And he continually does that in our lives. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get a little comfortable and all of a sudden something happens. I'm just like, ah, what happened again? Because Jesus is constantly disrupting us because he's trying to, to make us holy. And through these challenges, we're purified. At the center of Jesus' ministry as the poor, the brokenhearted, the blind, the oppressed, those who have been held captive, this, was just, this wasn't just a personal goal for Jesus. This was his mission. He wasn't like hashtag, you know, kingdom values, you know, this is what I'm going to do. No, this was his mission. In his very own being, he embodies the message. He was the king. He was the kingdom. And the kingdom was among them. This kingdom manifests itself through you and through me. So sometimes we ask ourselves, how can I be, how can I be a good disciple? How can I be someone that, that uh, makes Jesus, that people want to know Jesus? How can I be that person? The task of the disciple is to make the kingdom of God visible. So I want to lift up your burdens today. If you've, been, um, if you've been struggling saying, God, what is my calling? What am I supposed to do? Like, how can I serve you? This is one of the tasks of the disciples to make the kingdom of God visible, to embody to embody the values of the kingdom, a way of life that extends to those around us. It is the message of life and life in abundance. So when we share the gospel with our neighbors, we're giving them life. And not just them, but as they're becoming alive, so are we. As they're being transformed by what they're hearing, so are we. And this is a message and a message of life that we cannot keep to ourselves. The message is alive and active that breaks down walls, barriers, structures, making all things possible. So when they ask, can something good come out of Nazareth? Or we can say, can something good come out of Hampstead? And this is a question that I had in my personal life. Can something good come out of me? Can something good come out of my family? Can something good come out of my situation? Then we can approach that question with confidence and humility and know that it is possible, that the gospel makes all things possible, that Jesus makes all things possible. There are two factors that I wanted to share with you in responding to that question. Can something good come out of Hampstead? Can something good come out of the family, the gathering family? Peruvian theologian Dario Lopez suggests these two factors, the power of love and the power of forgiveness. And I know that you just uh, finished a, a series called uh, with forgiveness and it was called good news. So I'm sorry that I'm extending this good news series for you today, but um, it's something that we need to fully understand, the power of love and the power of forgiveness. But it's just not, they're not simple things. It has to be a love that demands justice and a forgiveness that demands restitution, which means to restore back. And that is the impact of justice. The impact of justice is a love and forgiveness that makes peace and rest available to all people, available to me and available to our neighbor. El efecto de la justicia será paz y la labor de la justicia será reposo y seguridad para siempre. Isaiah 32, 17, in the Reina Valera version, I know I went back old school, right? It says that, y I love it in Spanish, I had to read it in Spanish. Y el efecto de la justicia será paz y la labor de la justicia reposo y seguridad para siempre, which says that the effects of justice will be peace and the labor of justice will be rest 
and security forever. Those are promises. As we live out the kingdom values, those are the promises that we have, the motivations that we have forever. Yes, forever, ever. Amen. The kingdom values, this peace that is available to you and me and to all who hear and believe in the message of Christ. This is the message that we have been entrusted with and embody as faithful believers, responsible neighbors, and committed disciples. Again, this is the message that we have been entrusted with and embody as faithful believers, responsible neighbors, and committed disciples. The gospel is life and is able to transform the hearts and the minds and the realities of our families, our communities, and our city. And I get so excited about that because I have seen it. I have seen how my family has been transformed. I've seen from being uh, being maybe one of the people that, that follow Christ to being two or three people. I've seen our, our families return to the Lord. I have seen how we our family has been restored in such a way that, that 10 years, 20 years ago, we couldn't sit at the table to have dinner. But today we all travel from distant cities just to have Thanksgiving and Christmas together. That is what the gospel does. It restores us back into community. And that is the family and community that you embody. And I'm so excited that that is your value because you are familia and familia can be messy at times. We all know this, right? One day you love each other, the other day you just want them to go away, you wanna run away. One day I have your back, the other day maybe I don't know, but familia sticks together. Even the hearts of those whose faces are at the other side of the coin have hope. Maybe they're not the oppressed, they're not the marginalized, they're not women, they're not poor. But guess what? God also has a message for them. And there's a message of life that will transform in their minds and their hearts. And that is why we preach the gospel. That is why we tell the good news of Jesus. Because something good can come out of the gathering. And the spirit of God is upon us. The spirit of God is upon you. And I just want to tell you, familia, that the Lord's favor upon your life has come. And I want to end with this challenge. Sister Brianna Dolores challenges us. A time where we have to reframe the way that we think about community and the way that we think about how we serve our neighbors. So we can go from a question of what am I supposed to be doing to who do I want to be? And if we want to be faithful witnesses, if we want to be committed disciples, then we need to embody the, the values of the kingdom. So I want you to know that the justicia is nothing new, that you shouldn't be afraid of it, that God has a biblical definition for it, and that God wants us to be involved because there are people, there are lives who want to come into communion with us, that our churches are powerful and that they are essential.